your financial editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD and at WFMD.com. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us this weekend. Appreciate it, as always. Uh, hope you're having a good weekend, and we've got a good program planned for you. We've got some deals to talk about, some top stories, some economic data. And then joining me in just a little bit, my guest, Mr. Stephen Mosier. He's uh, internationally recognized uh, as an author and uh, a speaker and authority on China and various population issues. He is the president of the Population Research Institute, uh, actually spent time on the ground in China, uh, has a lot of local knowledge as to not only what's happened over the last three or four decades, but also what's going on right now. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure he wants to talk, according to his email to me, um, about the um, the virus and uh, and what it's done, where it came from, just as much backstory as we can get. So stay tuned for that in just a little bit with my guest, Mr. Stephen Mosier. Um, when we talk about deals, there were quite a few this week. I don't have the time, unfortunately, to cover all of them. But um, we had some deals this week, and some were very sizable. For example, NVIDIA said that they were buying the chip designer that's based over in the U.K. Uh, The company is called Arm, A-R-M. This is a $40 billion deal. The company's announced it on Monday, and it looks like uh, this is going to reshape the global semiconductor landscape out there and it'll be interesting to watch how these uh, companies work together and how they complement each other also on monday we heard from uh, gilead sciences and they were saying that they're buying a company called immunomedics and uh, immunomedics is um, a, a company who's made great strides in the uh, biopharmaceutical space. And that's why Gilead said, look, we're going to buy you guys for $21 billion, um, quite a premium over uh, the closing price uh, before this deal was announced. So um, that's obviously a sizable deal. One, we don't have all the specifics on yet, but we did hear this week that Oracle was going to be the main winner with uh, TikTok, their U.S. operations. So, um, TikTok is owned by the Chinese company ByteDance. And, of course, our uh, government, this administration, has said that they were going to ban uh, TikTok because, no surprise, um, all the information, uh, and I've never been on TikTok. I don't know if you have, um, but apparently it's very popular, widely used. But the information or the accusation is that the information is going back to the Chinese Communist Party. And obviously, we don't want that. We don't want China to have any more data than they can possibly get their fingers on. So um, that's why apparently this is blatant. And uh, the administration really stuck to their guns on this and said either a U.S. company is going to buy it and be in control of the U.S. operations or we're going to ban you and you're not welcome in our country, which I thought was a a great thing. I mean, just, you know, really put that, that, draw that line in the sand and then hold it. And that's what we've seen. The Treasury Department has already said they're going to review the agreement between Oracle 
and uh, TikTok as far as U.S. operations go. And um, I guess if they pass all the tests, that's what will happen. Oracle will absorb uh, TikTok, again, the operations here in America. But there was a lot of interest in TikTok. Um, Oracle beat out Microsoft and and other uh, big, um, extremely well-funded companies. I'm, you know, you're talking about big uh, treasure chests that these companies have uh, where they can fork out uh, billions and billions and billions of dollars um, at any given time if they see fit and they see an opportunity um, there for them and the shareholders. So we'll keep an eye on that, see how it all plays out. And then we also saw this week as far as deals that Verizon uh, agreed to buy a company called TrackPhone. Uh, that's a provider of wireless prepaid services, and that deal was worth about $7 billion. Now, TrackPhone is a unit of um, a company down in Mexico, and they've got about 21 million prepaid customers here in the United States. And again, Verizon Communications figured that um, it was uh, a, a good opportunity for them to acquire that company and benefit, and that's why they're ponying up about uh, $7 billion. Uh, So like I said, there are other deals, but it was really good to see this week that we had that kind of activity. Um, You know, some of these companies that are like Snowflake and others that are going uh, public, people are wondering, are they a little extended? Um, Is there somewhat of a bubble? But, you know, at the same time, we've seen the last couple weeks, the NASDAQ, which is tech heavy, of course, uh, really get smacked around. So um, just when you see these real big runs, you start to see these pullbacks and you see some selling of various stocks. And that's really necessary, uh, the selling part, because you try to the market tries to get the uh, the, the stock values where they should be. You know, what is the fair market value based on what the company has done and what they look like they're going to do going forward. Because if you don't, if you're not careful, that's where you get these asset bubbles and it it could uh, lead to uh, a messy situation. We also heard from OPEC this week, and they basically were saying, look, the hit from the coronavirus situation is hurting global energy demand, um, And not only has it hurt it, but it looks like it's going to hurt it for a longer period of time, um, longer than what they originally had anticipated. So OPEC, as you know, stands for the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries. It's a cartel. And they said that in their monthly report that I was reading that uh, they expect the pandemic to reduce demand by 9.5 million barrels a day. So um, and and overall, uh, they'll see a fall in demand of about nine and a half percent from last year. So, you know, if you were with us uh, last Saturday here on the program, I was talking about Exxon Exxon Mobil and how they were uh, they had announced uh, some major restructuring that's on its way. And that has to do with jobs and it has to do with various projects um, and investments that they have because of, um, you know, the, the, the COVID issue and, and just um, all of the carnage that it's called. So uh, OPEC repeatedly slashed their oil demand forecast um, as the virus just hammered the global economy during the spring. 
And as I mentioned, it's uh, recovering, according to them, at a uh, slower pace than what they expected and what they forecast. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's it's hard to hit that stuff right on the you know, hit that nail right on the head. And obviously they didn't do that. So that's why they're talking about uh, that drop in demand. Um, so Jamie Dimon is the CEO of uh, J.P. Morgan, and he's probably the most famous, if you will, uh, CEO in the industry, the financial services industry. He's been at the bank for a long time. He steered the bank through the financial crisis Um the acquisitions and the talent hires that he's made and what seems to be his succession plans uh, that we know a little bit about are um, are seen as good moves, smart moves for uh, the bank employees, for the customers of the bank, and also for the um, uh, shareholders, of course, as far as those that own the, the stock. Uh, I mean, they had some problems, you know, they're under investigation right now for some uh, people inside the bank uh, abusing the PPP loans that came through uh, JP and went to some of their um, their clients. So that remains to be seen how, if that's true, and if so, um, how serious it was. But anyway, he was speaking this week, and he said that the economic recovery from the virus recession could be derailed by a lack of additional economic stimulus, the election, and what he said, a second wave of infections. So uh, people were paying attention to that. Um, He was talking, kind of giving credit to the administration for uh, getting the economic relief out earlier this year to uh, so many people that needed it so badly. But, um, you know, he, he also said that there are some risks. And I think we all know that. It's not like this was um, something that we hadn't thought about or didn't already hear from someone else or whatever the case might be. We're not out of the woods yet. I think everybody knows that. But we've made tremendous progress. So, um, you know, and again, with him speaking, J.P. Morgan, they're the largest bank when it comes to assets. So, you know, it carries a lot of uh, a lot of swag. But, um he also was saying how how um, much it hurts having employees work from home because it hurts the overall productivity of the company and of the workers, and it reduces what he called creative combustion that happens more in offices because you have these people working together and um, brainstorming together and feeding off of each other. And it's just not the same when you have somebody sitting in front of a um, a screen when there's a team involved and they're really trying to accomplish the very best at at what the, the you know the the goal is. They're they're trying to really you know get some big things done. So that was interesting to hear from him. And I've said this from the very beginning, and I'm I was really glad to to see it kind of backed up. You know, I was mentioning that before. Uh, COVID-19, we were rolling. The economy was fantastic. The job market was fantastic. Um, The financial markets were fantastic. Um, It didn't matter what color you were or, you know, your background, if you were a high school dropout or if you had a doctorate degree, um, everybody was doing better. 
I mean, that was just a fact from, and it was, you know, months and months and months uh, in a row of that being a fact. And then the virus comes. So the only way we had to go after the virus came was up, you know, and that's fortunately what we've seen, a very, very nice rebound, and we do want to keep it going. But back to um, the strength going into this, I saw this week, uh, according to the Census Bureau figures, that American incomes rose sharply and poverty fell last year in 2019. So the median household income was $68,700 in 2019. That was up almost 7% just from the prior year. The poverty rate was 10.5%. That dropped by 1.3 percentage points from the year before. And the poverty rate was at its lowest level since 1959. And you've got people dancing in the street saying that capitalism is bad. I don't know where these people come from or what their parents did or didn't do, obviously. What their teachers said, what their professors taught them. But it is so backwards, it's not even funny. Poverty rate, the lowest level since 1959 in the United States of America before the pandemic, which we'll get to Mr. Moser in just a little bit. Um, but the figures show how incomes improved. And, and you know, then, of course, the coronavirus drove us into a recession starting in February. Um, but incomes hit their highest level since 1967 last year. Real median incomes of black, white, Asian and Hispanic households all increased from the prior year. The Bureau said that uh, the share of Americans without health insurance at the time they were surveyed in 2019 um, had shown some improvement. We were just, uh, it's a shame. We we're really headed in the right direction. And uh, it's good to know that we're, we're back at that, I think. You know, people really feel like um, we've turned the corner for sure. And uh, most people that, you know, want to be positive and um, and just really want the best for themselves and their families chose a while ago to put their shoulder back on the wheel and uh, and, and get things done. So that's wonderful. Wanted to let you know as we go into this break, um, our complimentary download for you is titled, Are You Paying Too Much in Taxes in Retirement? So it's an eight-page read, um, basically, to help you better understand um, how taxes impact you during retirement and impact your retirement income. As I mentioned, it's a complimentary download. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. It's on the home page. Just click on Get Your Instant Download Now, and it comes right to you. And I hope you uh, enjoy it, and uh, I hope it's helpful uh, for you and, uh, and your family. And we'll be back in just a minute. Strong as gasoline, and it seemed to fuel the rage he had inside. He come home just burning, mad and drunk and mean and raised hell on a Saturday night. 
Mom would lock us up in her bedroom. He'd be lying. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD and at WFMD.com. Don't forget you can go uh, and listen to the program as a podcast. It's on iTunes uh, if you'd like or if you'd like to uh, share it with somebody. And um, looking at the economic data this week, not too shabby. Uh, We saw that uh, U.S. industrial production rose for the fourth consecutive month in August. Uh, the Federal Reserve came out on Tuesday saying that industrial production, which, by the way, it's a measure of um, what's going on at factories and mines and utilities, was up four-tenths of one percent in August from where it was in July. Um, and that, uh, you know, the July number was really strong. So, um, but industrial production, it's still down from its level in February. Uh, that was the last month before factories had to shut down across the country because of uh, the virus, which is what we're going to be talking about in just a little bit. Uh, manufacturing, the biggest component of production, rose 1%. So uh, that was good to see. Also, capa- capacity utilization, which is a measure of slack in the industrial economy, uh, that improved as well, the Fed said. So it was good to see that. I guess the biggest report this week as far as data was the retail sales report. Um, Americans increased retail spending in August for the fourth straight month. Uh, So, again, you're looking on what people are paying for stuff at stores and restaurants and online and at uh, gas stations. uh, And and that was up six-tenths of 1% in August from where it was in July, according to the Commerce Department. And it was the third month that retail spending was above pre-coronavirus levels. So that's really, really good. Um, August is typically a big month for back-to-school shopping, of course, and um, there were a lot of electronics that were being purchased and um, furniture, I guess, for home schooling as far as desks and whatnot. Clothing, even though, you know, the kids didn't have to dress up to go back in their new duds like they always look forward to, um, clothing purchases were up 2.9%. So that was really good. And um, and, and I think, again, it, it bodes well for us going forward. And then you look at some regional surveys and regional reports. So we have 12 Federal Reserve districts, and a couple of them came out with uh, reports uh, this week. Uh, new York said that um, their business activity expanded at a solid clip. So, um, you know, the index came in. It climbed 13 points to a reading of 17. New orders increased. Shipments grew significantly. Um, You know, it was just really good to see positive activity in the state of New York. Um, And that was apparent in those numbers, not so much in the city, I don't think but at least uh, in other parts of the state. And then you had the Philly Fed's Manufacturing Business Outlook Survey. So that also is a monthly report for them. They're in the third Federal Reserve District. They cover eastern Pennsylvania and southern New Jersey and Delaware. And, um, you know, they focus on businesses in their district, just like uh, the New York uh, Federal Reserve does. And the latest manufacturing index from the Philly Fed came in at a reading of 15. 
So, again, the survey's current indicators for general activity, new orders, and shipments remain positive for the fourth consecutive month. So this data that we've been seeing month after month is, I tell you, it's better than what was expected, considering that we just turned the engine off and basically turned the lights off and told everybody to sit on the couch, you know, that whole baloney two weeks to, um, you know, to address the curve and all that garbage. And then after that, you know, what are we, six months past that now or whatever? So, um, you know, once all the nonsense was was behind us and people realized we've got to work, we've got to live our lives, I'm going to go out and uh, spend money on things that I need. I'm going to enjoy myself, uh, even though you're being threatened you know, not to do that, which is criminal in its own uh, in, in its own way. But anyway, this data is showing just how relentless Americans are. And these business owners, I mean, I talk about the, you know, the NFIB, the National Federation of Independent Business. It was last week or the week before, you know, improving. These small businesses are wondering how they're going to, you know, open the door tomorrow morning, you know, for people, but yet they're optimistic because they know that we were just there not too long ago, as I mentioned, and they want to get back on that rail. And, um, and the data shows that you look at builder confidence. So the national association of home builders came out this week and last week, or excuse me, last month tied a record, uh, reading of 78. Um, in the 35-year history, okay? So it tied the record that we had back in 1998 for um, uh, builder confidence. You know what it was for this month? 83, an all-time high of 83 in September. So when you listen to the National Association of Home Builders, to the chairman or to the chief economist, and they look, the economists admitted Lumber prices are now up more than 170% since mid-April. You know what that means? It's adding over $16,000 to the price of a typical, which I'm not sure what that means, new single-family home. But you've got this demand out there. You've got low interest rates. And guess what else he said? Builders in parts of the country have reported receiving calls from customers in high-density city markets asking about relocating because they're sick of the lawlessness and the weak, weak, weak politicians. Oh, my gosh. People are sick of it. So they want to get out more into the suburbs or even more so into a rural area. So good for them. And and um, I, that's just a fantastic report. Uh, the only other thing I'll just mention briefly is that you had the two-day Federal Reserve meeting. Um, it concluded Chairman Powell held a presser. Um, now they're saying they're going to keep interest rates zero at zero until um, like 2024. Uh, or excuse me, 2023. So... Um, I think that's a little too far to be saying we're going to keep interest rates at zero. I think we have to wait and see what's going on. And it's okay if we have a little bit of inflation. They're so scared of inflation. Um, A little bit isn't going to hurt you. We've been in check for the last, you know, 10 years or so. Even the beginning of the year, 
And last year, when we were at that 50-year record low um, unemployment number, which was so fantastic, I mean, we were fine with inflation. So anyway, hopefully they'll do a, um, a good job when they make that decision, and, um, and it'll benefit everybody. Um, again, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. And right there on the homepage, uh, your complimentary download, Are You Paying Too Much in Taxes in Retirement? So it's a real nice eight-page uh, piece for you. Uh, you just click on the button. It's an instant download, and you can read it and make your notes. And uh, we want you to benefit from it. We want it to be helpful to you. So check that out. Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, uh, you can also listen to the Your Financial Editor program um, if you go to iTunes and search um, Your Financial Editor. It's available as a podcast for you there. And uh, I mentioned right before we were going into the break, uh, we were going to be jumping into our discussion with the um, uh, my guest who um, is uh, joining me this morning, Mr. Stephen Mosier. He's an internationally recognized authority on China and on population issues, as well as a best-selling author. Also, uh, he's a speaker. You've probably seen him before on Good Morning America, The Today Show, Fox, uh, 60 Minutes. Um, and of course, as I mentioned, he's a friend of, our, of the program here. He's been on the program before and uh, very glad to welcome him back. Good morning, Mr. Mosier. How are you? Uh, good morning. I'm fine. Good. Uh, so good to have you uh, on the program again. And I was glad to uh, be contacted by your office about your uh, new book, uh, Pandemonium, which uh, is uh, what we're going to be talking about, or at least the subject that surrounds uh, what's in that book. So um, obviously this has been uh, a year for the record books. <laughs> I don't know that anybody could have uh, predicted this uh, on New Year's Eve for sure. But um I guess we'll start with you're in Virginia. What's it like in your area kind of with you you having your boots on the ground there as far as the uh, impact that you've seen so far this year? Well, in Virginia itself, of course, we've been subject to a fairly uh, heavy-handed lockdown uh, thanks to uh, the governor of the state of uh, the great uh, Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, I actually have a uh, an anecdote for your listeners uh, I have a, an EMT working for me. She works for me during the day, and then at night she's on call, uh, going out to rescue people who uh, call in for emergency uh, services. And uh, she tells me that uh, most of the calls are not COVID-19, and the COVID-19 calls are mild. Most of the calls are for drug overdoses and suicide attempts. 
And sometimes those two things are the same and sometimes they're different. It's a drug overdose without a suicide attempt. And other times it's a suicide attempt not using drugs. But she said those numbers have spiked over the last few months. So I'm looking at, at, at that anecdote and I'm going, to, I'm going to say that across the United States we know uh, that this is happening. We know that China, uh, which is not my favorite country right now, it hasn't been for a long time, uh, China is busily exporting as much in the way of fentanyl and other deadly drugs to the United States as it can and contributing uh, not just in terms of uh, inflicting the China virus on us, but inflicting this ongoing uh, drug, uh, another pandemic, a pandemic of drugs on the United States. So they're, they're carrying out, I think, two kinds of, of biological warfare against the United States, and, and the one sadly plays into the other. Well, yeah, you're right. And and again, I, I mean, um, people tend to forget because a lot of them aren't told uh, the uh, I, I say that the byproducts of COVID-19 are worse than COVID-19. So as you've already mentioned, we've talked about it on the program before the drug overdoses, the increase in suicides, uh, domestic violence, child abuse. I mean, it goes on and on, um, and obviously it's going to continue because we don't have these kids, so many of them that need that safe environment uh, to be in school. Uh, you mentioned heavy-handed. I agree with you uh, 150%. I think so many uh, elected and appointed officials have gone so far over the line that I don't know how they sleep at night. I mean, I, I guess they're just in their own little dream world, but... Um, so if we go to the COVID, we'll start with the first pandemic. We'll talk about uh, COVID-19. Um, what's your take on uh, its origination, um, how it made its way, not just here in the United States, but around the world? Uh, just give us your kind of your worldly view on that. Well, some of, some of uh, our listeners today may have seen uh, the Fox News interview done by Tucker Carlson with uh, the doctor, the courageous whistleblower doctor, Dr. Yen. Her Chinese name is Yen Li Meng. I think his show had 5 million viewers a few nights ago. Uh, Dr. Yen has been in the United States since late April. Uh, I interviewed her shortly after she arrived on these shores and got the download. And she confirmed what I have been saying since January. And that was that this uh, particular China virus, uh, you can call the disease COVID-19 if you want. I think that's part of the cover-up, by the way. It should be called uh, the CCP virus or the, uh, or the China virus because it was, it was manufactured in the Wuhan Institute of Virology using techniques that were taught to the head of the lab, Dr. Shi Zhang Li, uh, by, uh, at the University of North Carolina and at the Galveston uh, National Laboratories run by the University of Texas. Uh, we have a whole string of uh, scientific articles going back to 2008, uh, appearing in, in uh, international uh, virology journals, uh, which lay out exactly uh, the course of her research, Dr. Schur's research, which resulted, I believe, in the creation of the China virus, uh, which has two uh, unnatural insertions, which makes the China virus more infectious. Uh, and uh, in some ways to elderly, especially uh, more deadly. Uh, it's a strange virus, something that we've never seen before. Uh, and then it was let out of the lab. Now, Dr. Yen says she doesn't know how it got out of the lab. She, she ran 
uh, the virology lab in Hong Kong, a P3 lab, which is one of the, uh, the World Health Organization's uh, certification labs. That means it sets the standards for research for other labs in, in, the, uh, in the region of Asia. Uh, she's, she's from China. Uh, she has lots of contacts there. And she says, you know, this was a P4 lab, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh, it is a lab where you have to have two people on duty at any given time. They have a separate air supply. They're disinfected going into the lab and out of the lab. She says no live virus could have escaped the lab. So she doesn't think the, the, the virus was accidentally released. Uh, what, what does that leave us with, Chris? That leaves us with two possibilities. One, a disgruntled employee. Uh, you know, taking the live virus out and unleashing it along uh, on the Chinese public, and and from there it spread to the world. Uh, the other the other possibility is is too horrible to contemplate. Uh, a government that would unleash a virus on its own people and then spread it throughout the world uh, would be evil beyond belief. Uh, now, uh, Dr. Yen says we may never know exactly how it got out of the lab, but she does say this. She says that the lab was part of the. Uh, People's Liberation Army's bioweapons program, uh, which has been going on, I know and confirm, has been going on for decades. Um, so, uh, you know, the origins and the initial spread of the China virus are also uh, areas in which we ought to hold the Chinese Communist Party uh, accountable. And then, of course, we've known for months that after they shut down flights from Wuhan, the center of the epidemic, a city of 11 million people, uh, after they shut down flights from Wuhan to other cities in China, they continued to allow flights from Wuhan to leave for other parts of the world, uh, deliberately spreading the disease throughout the world, using the Chinese people on board those flights as sort of uh, innocent uh, 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 disease vectors, uh, kamikaze pilots, if you will, who didn't realize that they were carrying within their bodies a virus that would go on to infect them and then everybody they came in contact with. So. Uh, at every level, uh, we have a, a responsibility uh, to hold the Chinese Communist Party accountable for the origin of the disease, for the release of the disease, and, and for the spread of the disease around the world. And even today, even today, that lab is still on lockdown. That lab, ha they have not allowed anyone from outside of China to visit that lab, not the World Health Organization, not the CDC, not the French who built the lab. Uh, back in 2017. Everyone has been locked out of the lab. Uh, they've destroyed early samples of the virus. Uh, what, do you, what, what does destroying evidence tell you uh, about the possibility of, of uh, you know, criminal activity? Uh, it's almost an admission of guilt. Uh, the cover-up is, 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 of course, uh, part, of the, part of the admission of guilt here. So um, that's, that's the, the origin of the disruptive a pandemic that has been inflicted on the world by China and cost us in the trillions of dollars and now uh, a million lives. Yeah, no, uh, and uh, I appreciate that. That was very uh, a great overview. And I think a, a lot of that, um, uh, most of our listeners uh, probably never heard or at least not in, in that depth. So, uh, again, I appreciate that. I'm going to squeeze in a commercial break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with uh, our guest this morning, Mr. Stephen Mosier. He is the uh, president of the Population Research Institute. So you can go to pop.org 
and uh, see all the information, a lot of what uh, Mr. Moser is talking about this morning, and also uh, get information on his latest book, one of many he's written, but this is the latest one titled Pandemonium, and we'll let you know how to get that also on the other side of this. Stay tuned. I'm Sean Kirby from Ren Kirby Mitsubishi. In 1944 and 1945, the Philadelphia Athletics and legendary Hall of Fame manager Connie Mack used McCurdy Field. There's a lot that's happened in Frederick. As a local business... Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And remember, you can go to iTunes and listen to the Your Financial Editor program as a podcast. And um, you can share it, um, you know, help yourself and uh, listen to it again if you'd like. Uh, that's why we do all that stuff. Plus, that's a good part about technology, isn't it? That you can kind of listen or re-listen to something at your leisure. So we're continuing our conversation this morning with my guest, Mr. Stephen Mosier. Uh, he is an internationally recognized authority on China and on population issues. He's a best-selling author. Um, he's a well-known speaker, and he's been on Fox and CNN and 60 Minutes and in the Wall Street Journal all over the place and uh, has really accomplished a lot in uh, in, in the these areas over uh, over the past decade. So, you know, one of the things, um, uh, Mr. Mosier, and actually, what's the best way to get your latest book, Pandemonium? Well, Pandemonium is, is available uh, from the Population Research Institute, which I direct. Uh, our website is pop.org. That's P-O-P dot O-R-G. Very, very easy to remember. Pop is short for population, pop.org. And Pandemonium, you can download uh, for free. Uh, and the reason we're making it available to people, it's a compendium of articles that I and others from the United States, North America, Europe, uh, all around the world have written about the effect of the pandemic on their own countries. Uh, it points out, uh, of course, the, the origin of the pandemic, which we've talked about, but it also uh, talks about how uh, leftist movements and leftist governments around the world have really uh, used the pandemic as an opportunity for them to increase their power and control over over the people that they control uh, and what we might want to do about it, how the international organizations, uh, the World Health Organization, the UN has failed us, how the EU, for example, has failed the people of Europe, uh, how, uh, as I said, leftist movements are um, using this to impose on uh, the United States and France and Spain and countries around the world uh, the uh, the greatest intrusion on civil liberties uh, probably in the history of the world. Um, that, of course, is, uh, is, is almost a paraphrase of what our Attorney General uh, Bill Barr said at Hillsdale College a couple days ago. Um, he said putting a national lockdown, stay-at-home orders is like house arrest. It's, it's uh, the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in American history. Well, this is, this is played out not just in America. It's played out in democratic countries around the world. Leftist movements have sort of let their inner fascists uh, come out 
And uh, it's something that, that we have to, I think, never allow to happen again. We have to study how this happened and how it can be prevented. Um, and, and that's what pandemonium is all about. Pandemonium, of course, it refers to uh, pandemonium, the release of all the demons, the pandemonium, uh, which, of course, is what has happened in the aftermath of the pandemic. Uh, all of the leftist um, uh, ideas are now being being seen uh, in full bloom as a result of the pandemic. Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, I just want to personally say thank you for uh, providing pandemonium uh, for free so that people can read uh, your articles and all the other articles and research that's out there um, as opposed to relying on whatever channel on cable or whatever channel on um, network news or whatever radio station so they can actually, you know, learn and, and study and, and, and read for themselves. And I think that's important and not that you ever want something like this to happen. Um, but when you look for the silver linings, um, like you said, I think people are starting to realize the, the overreach and the abuse of power. And I think they're, uh, they're you, you know, they're, they're getting sick of it. The other thing is the importance of our supply chains and uh, the work that's done here, the important work uh, by Americans as opposed to the reliance on China and other countries that uh, don't play well in the sandbox with everybody. So, um, again, thank you for doing that. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to take you up on that. Again, it's P.O.P., Dot .org uh, and that's the Population Research Institute website and folks you can uh, download that uh, for free and, and read it and learn and become educated. Um, so as we wind up here the last couple minutes, uh, what do you think? I mean, what does uh, the future hold for us as we try to uh, continue to dig ourselves out of this? Well, uh, let me say that you know those who don't uh, learn from history are doomed to repeat it. That's not a phrase original with me. But we need to learn from this pandemic so it, it doesn't repeat itself. And, and we can probably be guaranteed that, uh, that, that another virus will be coming from China at some point in the future. Uh, perhaps not a deliberate release, but you remember SARS uh, a few years ago, the H1N1, the Avian flu, sure. the original Spanish flu back in 1919. Uh, those all came from China. So China is kind of a human petri dish for this sort of thing. And and it may be a design virus, it may be something that arose in nature, but we have to be prepared uh, for the next release. And, you know, China has been able to spread uh, tyranny around the world by using the pandemic almost as effective as it would if it had carried out uh, a violent revolution in neighboring countries, uh, because tyranny has arisen in the wake of the pandemic, which is what pandemonium is all about. I think we're climbing out of this thing very rapidly. Uh, I think the U.S. Uh, economy, uh, the U.S. people are very innovative. Uh, the U.S. economy is very robust, and uh, we're we're on the, the on the good side of a V-shaped recovery. So I think 2021 will be a, a great year. Uh, it'll be in our long-term interest to disengage from China and move supply chains to a democratic, uh, free market economy like India or Taiwan or the Philippines. Take your pick. Pick any country. Uh, Mexico, the United States, uh, preferably, or Canada. Just move it away from a one-party dictatorship that, uh, that basically has weaponized trade, re weaponized currency manipulation, uh, cyber attacks, and, and all the rest does not wish us well. Uh, I think we need, uh, along with our allies, to, uh, to create alternatives to, to the China, to the China um, uh, idea of uh, it being the workplace of the world. 
And all those things only happen with strong leadership, right? Oh, well, yeah. And, you know, it, the, the strange thing is I know Joe Biden. I, I worked with Senator Biden back in the 1990s to set up Radio Free Asia. I was commissioner on the commission that set up Radio Free Asia. He assured us uh, he was entirely in support of it uh, because he was upset by the massacre in Tiananmen and the thousands of students who were killed. He appointed two commissioners to our commission, both of whom voted against Radio Free Asia. So, uh, you know, the rhetoric was fine. Uh, he was he was good on the words. But in terms of action, uh, he he uh, worked against us. So I'm afraid that we would see that played out if he became president. Uh, he would give us tough rhetoric on China. But we would go back to business as usual. And business as usual has now cost, uh, you know, a couple hundred thousand American lives and millions of businesses and jobs. And we can't go back to the old way of doing things. Uh, we need to continue the path that we're on, that we've been on for the last three and a half years. So... Uh, I think we've finally taken China's measure. I think China will not be the dominant. Uh, this will not be the, uh, the century of China. This will be the second American century. But that will be true only if we have uh, strong leadership from the White House, which means, uh, of course, uh, the reelection of President Trump. Right. No, I, I agree with you. And again, uh, thank you so much for uh, making your uh, latest book, Pandemonium, uh, available to the public for free. Folks, you can go to pop.org, that's pop.org, and download the book. And again, uh, see all the uh, research and the articles from uh, Mr. Mosier and uh, his colleagues and other folks out there, not just in the United States, but around the world. Mr. Mosier, thanks a lot. Uh, congratulations on Pandemonium. And uh, we really appreciate all of your insight this morning. It's always fun having you on, and I look forward to our next visit. Uh, so do I. Good to talk to you this morning. Yes, sir. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And um, again, folks, go to uh, pop.org and you can download Pandemonium. And, um, and it's just a lot of good information on that website, Population Research Institute. Um, so, you know, I get various things from them in uh, as far as emails and whatnot. So it's, you know, not a big surprise for me. But I think you'd really find it interesting. Uh, you'd find it beneficial. And um, it's something that, uh, again, you could educate yourself on. There's so much disinformation out there. It, this is just, it's crazy, some of the stuff, you know, where people are, you know, saying that there's not violent rioting and arson and death and all the other stuff going on. I mean, it took them, what, 95 days to admit it for them finally to get away from this baloney, mostly peaceful stuff. So anyway, um, at least as far as the virus goes, you can look at various pieces of research and uh, commentary if you go to pop.org and download that pandemonium for free. So not too much stuff for free anymore, but there you go. And uh, that does it for us. I uh, want to let you know, too, you can go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. And our latest complimentary uh, download is Are You Paying Too Much in Taxes? in retirement. It's an eight-page piece. I think you'll find it very beneficial. Hopefully, it's going to help you with your retirement and financial planning, and um, we, we want it to be helpful. So that's why that's why it's there for you. So help yourself, murrayfinancialgroup.com. It's right on the homepage. And um, we'll talk with you uh, Monday through Friday when I join my friend Bob Miller on the Morning News Express, 550, 650, and 750 live. Um, each weekday morning when we talk about what's going on. And um, also, back here next Saturday, this is Chris Murray wishing you and your family 
financial success. editions of this program are available in the audio vault at wfmd.com news radio 930 wfmd frederick a connoisseur media radio station seven o'clock 